Twins. Good morning. So we have been in this series. Have you enjoyed this series? It's kind of nice to go back to our roots and, and think about things. And, I mean, the fear of the Lord, we haven't talked about that for a long time, and it's nice to kind of go back and do that. So I've really, I've really enjoyed it. And I just want to um, remind you, we've been in Deuteronomy 10, 12, um, and now Israel. What does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? And so last week, Lance wrapped it up by saying, you know, really what we're looking at is to fear him, to, um, yeah, to, fear him, to live his will, to love him, to worship him, and to obey him. And did you hear what he kept saying? He kept going, and so it's your move. Did you guys, did you guys hear him say that several times? And, um, and I, some, I usually sit on this side of the church, and, a lot of, and I've been watch, looking at our theme, and I keep seeing that it's your move. And so I've really been thinking over the whole year, what does it mean it's your move? And so as we wrap up this series, that's what I want to talk about. What does it mean now? So we've heard these things. What does it mean that it's your move? So let's pray. Father, I ask that you would be with us this morning, God, that you would use me, speak through me, let me be an instrument for you, Lord. But God, I pray that all of us would have open hearts and open ears to receive from you. In your name, amen. So what's next? What does your move mean? And um, I keep thinking, I, I've had some conversations with some friends and people are like, we've done our move. We sent out Omar and Misty, we're sending out Katie. We've done our move. And I keep saying, but the theme isn't our move. The theme is your move. And, and so I keep going, okay, God, I can't kind of rest and think that as PSCC, we've done these wonderful things over this last year because there's something personal about your move. And, and I keep thinking, okay, then, then what am I supposed to do and how, how do I do it and how do I know what is um, next? And so as I've been thinking about this, I thought, so what does move really mean? Um, and I went and looked it up in the dictionary. And so move is a verb. It means action. So it, does, it doesn't mean that we can just sit in the pews on Sunday. It means that we need to do something. And um, the dictionary says to go in a specific direction or manner, to change position or change a cause, to change from one state to another or one opinion to another or one sphere to another or one activity to another. And, and then what I thought was really helpful as um, I've been pondering this is the cinnamon, synonyms to um, move, go, walk, proceed, to make progress, to advance. I like this one, to budge. I thought, okay, yeah, I can budge a little bit, right? Um, to stir, to shift, to change position. And so I... I um, I've really thought a lot about this and, and started asking God, okay, so what does this mean? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for us as a congregation? How, how do I pray about this as part of the church council as I'm praying for our um, church body? But then what's the action steps that I should be taking? So I want to share with you some of the things that the Lord has um, been just putting on my heart regarding this. And the interesting thing for me is that as soon as I start thinking about making a move, as soon as I start 
thinking, oh, I'm hearing God, so I need to make, move forward, I need to do some action, is as soon as all these little voices come in, right? You're not good enough. Oh, by the way, you yelled at your kids yesterday, so really, you shouldn't be thinking about making that move now. Um, or, oh, you, you did X, Y, Z back when you were 13, and you know that disqualified you from doing this thing. And um, I just started thinking, really? Those are the schemes of the enemy. That's his way of trying to get into our brains that keep us being passive Christians. And God calls us to be active. God wants us to make a difference in, in the world. I'm getting a little distracted because my daughter is laughing at me over there. <laughs> I can't use her name, but she's st sitting over there in black pants. <laughs> she told me if I used her name, she would leave and walk to the mall and spend money. So I won't use her name. <laughs> but she's the one acting really embarrassed. So, okay. <laughs> so as I started reflecting on some of this, I, um, there were kind of three things that it came down to for me. And the first thing was, what does God's word say about move? What does God say about um, Make, making a move. And you know, Lance has talked a lot to us about reading our Bible slowly and to read the scriptures with the big picture in mind. And so I thought, okay, I just want to look up some of these scriptures. What are some of them? And um, the words, you know, God talks to us about getting his word in, in our hearts. And I think there's a lot of power that when we start thinking about what's next and it's my move, what am I going to do? To start reflecting on the scriptures and being able to say okay God this is this is what you say I believe your word I'm going to move forward on it and even better when Satan tries to trip you up to be able to say I'm not listening to your voice because this is what God's word says so what does his word say about our move or your move well the word's really clear that God never intended us to be passive and just a few Deuteronomy 532 so you shall observe to do just as the Lord has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right or the left. Joshua um, 1.7 talks about being strong and courageous in him and moving forward. Proverbs 4.27, do not turn to the right or the left. Um, Ezekiel 1.12, and each went straight forward. Wherever the, the spirit was about to go, the scripture time and time again talks about action, about movement, about moving forward, about hearing God's word and, and obeying him in that. And so I think that as we start thinking about what's next and we, we reflect on the fear of the Lord and loving God and doing what's right and doing his will, to be thinking about, okay, how do I do that actively? What is my move? What is our move as a congregation? The other thing that God promises us as far as when we, in his word about making a movement and to move forward is I will instruct you and teach you in the ways you should go. He promises us that he will give us the directions. He will be our guide. He will be the one that's designing that map, designing that path for us to go forward on. And you know, I, um, some of you who know me know that I tend to think in my brain and, and, and like to analyze everything. Um, one of my really good friends, 
Sometimes I drive her up the wall because I'm like, I think I'm going to buy a new car. And then it will take me a year and a half to two years to buy that new car because I have to analyze everything from the finances to the type of car and the pros and cons of the car. And well, I do that sometimes when I'm reading scripture too. So I read it and then I start analyzing it and I want to pick it apart and what does this, the um, what does this um, critic say about this and what's this interpretation of this and what's the context. And sometimes that stops me from being able to actually move forward. From me, it stops me from being able to just in faith say, okay, God, I trust you. Your word says this. I'm, I believe you, and I'm going to move forward. I'm going to believe your scripture. So knowing his word and believing his scriptures and reading and pondering and meditating on them is all good and are all things that we should do. But there comes a point that we also have to take action. And I think that's some of what Lance was talking about um, even last week when he kept saying, it's your move. It's what are you going to do? How, what, what's going to be that action that we're going, we're going to take? And that requires faith. And for me, that's the, that's the next step. So I, I've got, I know the scriptures, I can read the scriptures, but at some point in faith, I need to step out and believe my father. I need to believe Father God, believe what he's saying, trust that he is not going to um, lead me astray. And I, um, this is not scripture, but I have a favorite um, um, poem from Aaron Hansen that I think about a lot. And some of you probably have heard this. And it's, there's freedom waiting for you on the breezes of the sky. And you ask, what if I fail? Oh, but my darling, what if you fly? And a lot of times I imagine that God's saying that over us, right? We sit back and we go, I can't do this. Because what if I fail? What if I look like a fool? What if I don't have it quite right? And God's just sitting, waiting, loving us and saying, but what if, what if you fly? What if somebody's life is changed because of your obedience? What if you are able to take that next step in healing because you stepped out, you took that action? And so, but that requires faith. That requires us really being able to trust and believe in him. But he tells us in Isaiah that his thoughts are not our thoughts, nor his ways our ways, and that he will be with us. He will guide us. Um, it also says that he will instruct us and teach us in the way that we are to go, and that he will counsel us, that he will have his eyes upon us. He says, fear not, for I have redeemed you and called you by name. So as soon as we made that decision to follow him, he was ready for us to take action. He was ready for us to walk out in faith. He was ready to equip us and prepare us. He was ready for us to be able to be those instruments of his hand. He was ready for us to be Jesus in today's world. Right? And it takes us having faith because we, we so easily have that self-doubt that says, I couldn't possibly do that. Or really, I don't know if that was God. Some of you know part of my story, and um, I um, wanted to be a mom from when I was itty-bitty. That was my plan. And um, when I was in my early 30s, the Lord started speaking to me about adopting. And I heard that voice. I talked about it. 
I overthought it a lot. And it took me a long time to make that step of faith of saying, I think that's really is what God's saying. And here's the funny thing. As soon as I took the step of faith, I got a call for a baby before I was even licensed to have a baby in my home. And I remember saying, I'm not licensed. And they're like, oh, don't worry. We'll have the license for you tomorrow. Can you take the baby? And God asks that of us sometimes. God plants things in, our, in, in us. He plants desires in our heart that are from him. And he says, I need, I, this is what I've called you to. This is what I want you to do. And then he sits and he waits till we take that first step. He doesn't, he doesn't take and equip the whole thing and kind of push you along. He sits back and waits. Just like we do sometimes with our children as they're growing up, right? Well, I really think you should do this. And we, and we talk with them and we guide them. And they're going, nope, we're not quite ready. And we sit back. And sometimes it's really painful to sit back and watch them make some of those mistakes because you're like, if you'd listen to me, it, life would be a lot easier. Right, parents? Anybody thought that? So, and then, and then finally, they, they, they make the choice, and, and, and then you're able to help guide them further. Or sometimes, as one of my daughters will say to me sometimes, but I can't mention her name, um, <laughs> she'll go, Mom, why didn't you tell me? I'm like, I tried. And sometimes I think, I think that's what God does sometimes too. We're like, God, why didn't you? And he, and he says, I did. I told you. I tried. But I, he just sits there and lovingly broods over us and waits for us to take that first step of faith. And then he comes alongside and continues to walk with us in that. And so as, as, when we, as I started thinking more and more about your move, and, and I'm like, okay, God, it's clear in your scriptures that we're to be active. And it's clear to, that we're supposed to make move movement forward. And it's really clear that you've called us. And, and then I've got to build some faith. I've got to learn how to, to have my faith built up, both in my relationship with the Lord, but also it happens within community. And that's really what I want to spend the rest of our time talking about um, this morning. Because I think we can know the scriptures, we can have faith, but if we're not functioning as, a, a, as that body of Christ, if we're not functioning in a community, that, that there's just not, we just can't be quite as effective. I, I still think we can do things, but I think community brings even more power to what we can do. And I want to share a little bit about a group that I work with a lot. I, um, a little more of my story. I am a foster mom, and my children have been adopted out of foster care. I'm also a pediatric occupational therapist, so I work with a lot of children who have been, and, and families who have children who have experienced trauma, who are trauma affected, who have had really, 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 really hard pasts. And one of the things that we do is, uh, with Overlake Christian Church, is we have a conference once a year that started out about five years ago with about 100 families, and this year we had about 2,000 um, from all over the nation and really starting to build a community of, um, with, of 
foster parents and adoptive parents who have felt called by the Lord to do this. And it's really made me think about, as we've walked this journey, think about what is community and what can that look like in the church too. Because we come together, we're a special group, and then when we leave, we only get together once a year, we're all going back to, to our um, other churches. But there's things that are, that are unique um, about us, and, and there's things that we need within that community to communicate, to um, support each other, that allow us then when we're not within that, that community and we go back to our ch home churches, that we still feel um, supported. Does, does that make a little bit of sense? So two years ago, we um, started talking about how do you start building this community? How do we really help equip um, each other, um, both within our families, but also then within the churches? And there's incredible things happening. There's whole churches that are coming alongside. Um, one, there's a vision of a church in Colorado that there will be no child in foster care in the state of Colorado. And that church is working with churches throughout their state and with the state um, child services and are actively looking at how they can support kids who don't have um, families. But this year at that conference, um, one of the, the themes was um, um, Elroy, that we serve a God who sees. And for me, when I, started, when I start thinking about having faith, I can't tell you how much that conference happened at the end of February, so it's been a few months, um, how much just reflecting on Elroy, God who sees, how much that has changed my faith. Because what has happened is that sometimes within this community, we'll, we'll talk about a hard time or we'll, we'll um, share a challenge. And what used to happen is people would like, oh, I'm so sorry. Some of the, you know, things we tend to say to each other. But you know what's happening now? You get a text back, he sees you. There's nothing that builds, for me anyway, that has built my faith more than getting sometimes saying, I'm really struggling with this, and then getting a text, he sees you. I see you. Nothing, none of the, because sometimes when people are going, oh, I know, it's really hard. I'm like, no, you don't know. But when I hear, he sees you, I'm, it stops me. And I'm like, yeah, I serve a God who sees me. And you know, when that came in the, in the Bible where it talks about um, that name of God, Elroy, is in um, regards to Hagar. And we don't have time to really unpack the whole story of Hagar, right? But Hagar was um, Abraham's um, wife's servant. And she's the, when she ran away, remember? And then um, the Lord came to her, and her response, and he told her to go back. And her response is, he's the God who sees. And she was able to go back and, in faith that God, was going, that God was working because he was the God who sees. So as we start thinking about um, community, I want to encourage you to think about we serve a God who sees. He sees you. He, he saw you before you made the commitment to serving. He, he saw you when you, were in your, when you were being formed in your mother's womb. He has always, 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 always seen us. And there's something for me that has been so powerful in reflecting on that and so powerful in sometimes giving me that extra 
energy to take that step of faith because I know that he's right here. He's right here. He's right here. He sees us. He's walking step by step by step. And even when I make bad decisions, he sees me and he's walking step by step. He might not be able to intervene and make it all perfect, but he's there and he's walking it through. And if we start walking with him within that, then, and then we can start walking in community. And so back to our community of, um, with the foster um, families, one of the things that happened two years ago at this conference is um, we walk into the conference and we had, um, we got these little signs and they said, me too on them. They're just a little um, talk bubble. Do you guys know what talk bubbles are, right? You say, me too. And what they started doing, there you can see a picture of that. What they started doing is they had people tell testimonies. And as people told their testimonies, you held up your Me Too sign. So think about this. I have no idea what testimony is being told here. But we had people stand up and say, I felt called to adopt a child. I did everything God told me to do. I would, had my plane tickets. I was ready to step on that plane to China, and China closed the doors. That just happened to one of my friends. China closed the door. And as they're telling this story, and I don't understand why God did this to me, and I don't know if I believe, if, what, if I'm still called to this, there's all these signs starting to go up. Me too. Me too. And it made me start to think about community. What does it mean to be in God's community? And I think what happens sometimes in church, what happens here is we come in, we say, hi, how you doing? We, we're friendly. I love, there's so many things. I love that we're friendly. I love that we honestly care about each other. But I think there's some deep things that we don't talk about because it's scary and we don't realize that we're feeling, we're struggling sitting right here around this issue. And right over here is, this, is somebody else struggling with that same issue. And right over here is somebody else that God has already walked them through that. And if we start talking and if we start connecting, think about that power of your move. Think about what can happen if we start understanding who our Me Too groups are. And so we started talking even more this year at the conference. Find your Me Too groups. You know, when I um, adopted my first child, well, actually brought my first child home 13 years ago, and then it was a couple years before I adopted her, I was like the only, one of the few single women who had adopted a child, within this, especially within the um, Christian circles with, within I, where I um, talked and, and interacted. And I had a lot of, are you sure? Are you sure as a single woman you should do that? Are you really, are you, you know, I don't know because I really think babies should have a mom and dad. So maybe if you're going to adopt, you should adopt an older child. And lots of things said to me. And, and I, I had to rest and I had to stand. God called me to do this. God equipped me. God gave specific plans. I identified male role models that I interacted with and specifically asked them, would you be a father figure? I knew that I had done what God had asked me to do. You know what? 13 years later, that, that we now have a group of about 33, I believe now, of single parents. 
Because what we found is as we started talking about it, there were single parents because of divorce. There were single parents by choice. There were single parents because a spouse had passed away and all in their little silos struggling. And then we come together and now we have the big group and we have the Me Too group of single parents where we can talk about some of the things that are unique that we struggle with. And we can, we can help each other through some of those things. And so that community of really being able to support each other and think about how, how can we, who are my Me Too groups? And I think part of that, finding your Me Too group, I've talked with Lance a lot about this. Um, I think part of it is learning how to talk about our testimony more. Because I think what we tend to do is, what's your testimony? And we immediately launch into our salvation message, which is great. It's wonderful to hear how God has saved people. It's wonderful to hear the, what, how people came to know the Lord. But then what God calls us to, to be um, to is a continual testimony as he works through our lives. And for us to continually be, change, to be sharing that, to be talking about the good and the hard that God has taken us through. And that's the other thing that's fun that's happened within this Me Too community is that people are starting to celebrate the huge victories that God's doing. And it's so fun. And there's times where I'm really struggling as a parent, and I'll go get on that one of my Me Too groups, and I just start reading about all the victories other people are having, because I'm like, okay, God, I know, I know, I know you can do it, because I can see it happening here. So how do we here at PSEC build this, uh, some Me Too groups and start sharing our testimonies? We was thinking Mother's Day is coming up in um, a couple uh, well, couple days, in a week, right? So um, there are people in this next week, it's going to be a hard week for them. There's some that have just lost their moms. But there's some that have lost their moms a while ago and know how to walk, how, how to walk through that and can come alongside and say, I know he sees you. There's some that have, have longed and begged and prayed for mom, to be a mom for years. And there's some that have struggled with that and, and have, have walked it all the way through. And you can come along inside and say, I know he sees you. And we don't even really have to say a whole lot more than that, right? There's some that have, that have lost babies. He sees you. So how do we start doing that? How do you, men, as you go to, to the men's retreat, share the, the victories that the Lord has done and the challenges and being able to say, he sees you. He knows. He's been there. And sometimes you don't even have to say, you know, you know what we tend to do, and, and I'm, I, um, I'm really good at this because I, I'm, a, I'm a pediatric therapist, and you know sometimes my girls will go, we know, will you just stop talking, right? Because what we say is, here's the situation. Well, you know, now first you should do this, and then you should do this. And really, that was a really bad choice because of A, B, C. And, you know, I really didn't like the choice. And you really should rethink, you know, and they're like, Mom, we got it already, right? And we do that sometimes to each other. And so sometimes we don't share what we're struggling with because I don't want advice on how to deal with it. I just want somebody to come and put their arm around me and say, okay, he sees you. I'll walk with you. Or, okay, 
I've been there. And you don't have to say anything else unless the person asks, well, what did you do about it? Because sometimes they're not ready to hear what to do about it, right? Or um, my youngest, sometimes I'm like, because again, I like to talk a lot. I'm talking and I'm telling her everything she should be doing. And she just looks at me and she goes, Mom, I just need a hug. I'm like, okay. And I think that's where we're at sometimes in the body of Christ. We just need a hug. So as I thought about a lot of this, and, 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 and we've been walking some of this through, and when I'm working with um, children who, um, and families who are working with children who have been exposed to trauma, here's the interesting thing. The number one thing that brings healing is connection. The number one thing that brings healing is coming and, and building attachment and, and connection. And now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a little geeky here because I love research and I love neuroscience and all those kinds of geeky things. But here is what, I mean, I was like, I've been giddy over the last month as I've been doing some reading on this. Guess what? Neuroscience is proving the Bible true. That, there's nothing that makes me more excited than thinking, oh my gosh, everything that we've been reading, everything that we've been learning about how our brain works, is in line with the scriptures. And in fact, they're finding that we rewire our brain and we come to new patterns of life through relationship, connections, and through walking with each other. Um, I got ahead of my notes, so let me. So um, we, we know that that through neuroscience even more that, that integrating the two hemispheres of our brain so the left and right side of our brain our left side of our brain quick neuroscience here left side of brain is more practical black and white ordered right side's more abstract but integrating those um, two lead to um, where are we there we go um, lead to a better understanding of who we are as individuals and bring us to health. I mean, a lot. that's some of what happens within counseling. As a pediatric therapist, I know that helping children get out of what we call their downstairs brain, that's, how you, that's when you just react, and, and get to your upstairs brain can bring health and healing as well. And so what they're finding is the Bible lines up with that. It, it talks about not being divided. It talks, the, the um, scriptures taught in like 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about the importance of community and being um, connected and in, in the Psalms about having an undivided mind. And so what they're starting to find in through some research of Daniel Siegel and now of an individual um, known as Kurt Thompson, who's a Christian um, psychologist, counselor, is that health is when we have an integrated life, when our brain is working together. And that's what the neuroscience literature is telling us too. And so, and, and they're finding that this happens through connections. And so they're starting to talk about having connected lives. They're starting to talk about having ways that we um, integrate and, and talk. And, sh and, and here's the other piece, sharing our stories brings about some of that integration, brings about some of that health. And I started thinking, that's our testimony. Sharing our testimony. 
and actively reflecting on each other's testimonies as well as our, on our own personal testimony brings health and healing. And so as I thought more and more about your move and what does it mean and what does it mean to fear him and to, to live his will and to love him and to worship him and to obey him, all those things that Lance has been talking about, I realized, yeah, we need, to know, we need to know his word. We need to understand his word. We need, we need his word also to help us be able to do some of that spiritual warfare. When Satan is like, Matt, you can't do that. Yes, I can. Because the word says, the word says that he will equip me. The word says, and we can talk right back. We can quote those scriptures back. And then we have to have that faith to take that first step. And then we have to work as a community. We have to start finding our Me Too groups. And then not get insular within our Me Too groups, but then after we have, have our Me Too groups, we still need to function as this body of PSCC. And yes, there's going to be our moves. There's going to be times where we get to celebrate Misty, the Misties and Omars going out, and the times that we get to celebrate what he's doing with like Katie and, and the new people that he's bringing in and the, the exciting things that he's doing for us as a congregation, but we also need to be able to start celebrating the things he's doing with individuals, the, way, the, the things he's called you to. And we need to start sharing our stories and we need to start saying, here, it's, it's, it's my, God, this is what God has said. And as I've taken these steps of faith, look what he's doing. And it's gonna build us all up. And all of a sudden, it's no longer our move, it's your move. And each of us are gonna be stepping out and we're gonna see changes in, t in today's world as we do that. God has a plan for every single one of us in this room. He's promised that in Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And I honestly believe that your move is sitting before the Lord and saying, what is that plan? And starting to walk out in faith. You know, as I was putting some of this, putting some of this together and kind of writing out my notes and this is what was going in my brain a lot over this last week. You really don't, you really don't know what you're talking about. You really shouldn't stand up and say all of that. You know, this neuroscience research is still, still in its infancy. You might not want to share it yet. You know, maybe you haven't quite got it all. And you know who that was? I like to call him Snooty Face. And I started, and so I would be going on walks and, and, and I would start saying, you know, the scripture says that I can have confidence in him. The scripture says that I need to take that movement forward. And here, uh, somebody taught me this a long time ago, and this is one of the things that I do when I really start hearing the um, negative voices, is I imagine that old snooty face is right here, and the scripture says we're supposed to put him under our feet, right? And so as I'm walking, I'm just going to take a step, put him under my feet, and as I step on him, it just gives me one more step towards the Lord, one more step of victory, one more step in strength. So if you've been sitting here as you've listened to me talk and say, yeah, but, I hate yeah, buts. You know, I hate it when my kids do that to me. Yeah, but, Mom. I know I was supposed to do that. Yeah, but, but we can, you can say, that's from the devil. You don't need to listen to that. You need to listen to the truth of the scriptures. And as you're walking out of here today, 
as we pray, as you if you go for a walk, if it's sunny when we're out there, just imagine that you're just putting him under your feet. Remember that song we used to sing when we were kids? Put him under our feet, right? Put him under your feet and just step. And it's one more step towards what God's called you to do. One more step. Because as we take that step of faith and as we take one more step, one more step, we're going to see huge victories. And we're going to be able to not only see victories here at PSCC and make a difference here, we're going to change the world. We're, each one of you have a perfect plan for what God wants to see you do in your workplace, in your home, in your neighborhoods, here at church, and some of you even outside of Tacoma as we take those steps forward. So let's pray. Father, I am both humbled and so thankful for who you are and for how you move in us and through us. God, I am so thankful for community because truly without community and truly without coming together with each other, we couldn't walk this life. And God, I'm thankful for your word and that you see us, God. I'm thankful that you are constantly there and you see us when it's hard and you see us when it's easy. You rejoice with us and you cry with us, Father. And God, I just ask that you would move in each of our lives and that you would begin to speak to each of us in a greater clarity of what your move means to us as we continue to walk through this theme and as it's coming to an end, Lord Jesus, that we're faithful and we're ready for the next year because we've truly embraced your move and we've truly walked into that, Lord. In your name, amen.